if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. We have Jason Irwin back today on Horse Chats, and this time he's brought his wife, Bronwyn. Now, Bronwyn hasn't been on before, but Jason talked a bit about Bronwyn the last time he was on, and actually exchanged her or did something about a horse deal. You know, there was something to do with the horse deal, but if you want to know more information, then just go to horsechats.com, search for Jason Irwin, and hear about how he got his wife in a horse deal quite a bit of a story, which um, gives me a little bit to do with Jason's character, and he's quite a good person to chat to, so I'm happy to have him back again, as well as Bronwyn. How are you both today? Doing great, yeah. Yep, yeah. all good here. Good, good. Now, Jason and Bronwyn, we're going to talk about um, Young Horses and Liberty today. Before I do that, though, I just want to remind people the motto of the International Horse College which is people safety and horse welfare. So if that's the way you feel when you're working with horses, go to the website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Have a look at the wide variety of equine courses and um, talk to the friendly staff if you need to get some more information. Now, Jason, this um, will be young horses. And hang on, I've got to just clear something up too because you talk a lot about cults don't you? But colts, are they male and female young horses? Uh, yeah, here we always just refer to young horses as colts. Um, that could be anything really from babies on up to oh, probably three-year-olds. I think a lot of people in this country would put it that way. I don't know yep. if it's the same in Australia or not. Well, we, we talk about foals. We talk about foals, yearlings, you know, and go on from there. But we're talking about young horses anyway, so we don't need to be um, discriminatory and, and only talk about male young horses and not female young horses. We're basically talking about young horses, aren't we? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Now, you teach a lot of clinics with young horses. When you use your young horses, you're teaching them liberty. Is that right? I just want to just make sure you use liberty with your young horses. You use liberty more with the horses that are already going. Uh, Liberty, we use it in a lot of different places. One area that I use it quite a bit is when we have a young horse that hasn't been handled very much that's really standoffish. So sometimes it seems like you'll have an unhandled young horse and uh, you'll maybe be doing the desensitizing work and just groundwork and things like that, but they just don't really seem to be connecting with the person, which in most cases is me. And if that's the case, then very often I do some liberty training and the liberty training gets them really hooked on to me and paying attention to me. And then when I find once they have my, excuse me, once I have their attention, then it's relatively easy to get them to do the rest of the stuff. Now, the liberty training also, we teach it a lot to people just because they enjoy liberty so much. So a lot of people, they just, they feel like they maybe don't have enough of a connection with their horse. Uh, other people watch a movie like The Black Stallion or, uh, one of those types of deals and they just they're really intrigued by it but they have no idea where to start with it so they really like to sign up to the liberty clinics and get a bit of a feel for how you can do those types of things okay now i just want to talk to people just to remind them about the previous chat we did with jason what's the um channel that you're on uh, a couple of them there's rfd tv canada and mm -hmm. the cowboy channel canada okay perfect all right so 
I know that you do a lot more than just starting young horses and just using Liberty. But if we talk about clinics, like how many clinics would you teach in a year? Uh, Typically, we would do somewhere around 25. And then besides that, we would usually do some expos as well. That could be in Canada or the U.S. And then are they all Liberty and young horses or what types of clinics do you teach? (laughs) We teach about uh, 10 different clinics plus some customized ones. So with us, probably the clinic that we teach the most is what we call our horsemanship slash problem-solving clinic. And that's almost the, maybe you would call it the meat and potatoes clinic. That's how you get your horse trained and responding and moving off pressure properly. And uh, it's also the clinic where we probably fix the most problems because most problems are not really a problem in themselves. There's sort of a lack of foundation training in there somewhere. So very often on the first day, we'll go through, show a person how to get their horse better trained, and then usually that will kind of reveal uh, why they're having some of the problems that they're having. So then it's easier to focus down on the parts that we need to worry about. And then uh, Liberty Training is probably our second most popular clinic. We do another one called Ultimate Trail, which is getting really, really popular. So that's basically how to get your horse quiet and well-trained. But then we set up a lot of trail scenarios, for instance. Um, maybe a person's having a problem with a horse that always falls behind on a trail ride or always speeding up or always spooking and different things along that line, how to fix those problems. But we do other ones as well. Um, Brawlin does barrel and pole bending clinics. Uh, we do trailer loading clinics. The trailer loading actually will happen there. Every time we would have a clinic, it seemed when the clinic was over, there's always one or two people that couldn't get their horse on the trailer. So we sort of had to do a little clinic then anyways, whether we wanted to or not, just so they could go home. So we decided we might as well have an actual clinic out of it. And uh, that went pretty good. And uh, another one we have here uh, that's quite popular are the groundwork clinics. And those are especially popular in the wintertime because it gets so cold here that a lot of times people do sort of lose the motivation to go out and ride for an hour a day, but they do want to spend a little bit of time with their horses. So they'll do a groundwork clinic. And then on days that aren't too cold, they'll kind of spend a little time doing groundwork from then after practicing the things that we've shown them. I think I need to get you back about a dozen times, Jason, just to go through each of these. Now, today I was going to talk to you about young horses and starting young horses and liberty, but I think it's probably better if we just focus on one. Are you happy to do that and come back again and talk about the other? Would you prefer Liberty or Young Horses? Uh, You pick. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, look, we talked about laying a solid foundation. Okay, so laying a solid foundation for a young horse, we hear it. Okay, we hear that a horse has got to have a solid foundation no matter what discipline. But give us a bit more information about the importance of having that solid foundation for a young horse. For sure. Um, Well, one thing that I have, and I'm probably going to mess it up now that I'm trying to actually say it to you, but uh, the idea is when your foundation is really solid, it's surprising how easy the hardest maneuvers are. And when your foundation is weak, it's surprising how hard the easiest maneuvers are. That goes across multiple disciplines. You know, I'm I'm thinking because I've sort of done more dressage and jumping and cross country and that sort of thing. And that is absolutely true with those disciplines. So I'm sure that it's it's across all disciplines. That's brilliant, that saying. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, sorry, so keep going about the importance of having that solid training foundation. Now, I guess there's a lot of different things I could say about it, but the ones that would jump out the most at me are when I think of a horse that has a solid foundation, 
I should have control, at least pretty good control, I should say, of every part of the horse's body. Now, when I'm thinking of that, what I'm thinking is the head and neck, the horse should be able to give vertically and laterally, willingly and easily. I should be able to move the shoulders around. I should be able to move the ribs. Now, you can't move the ribs independently very well, but I would think of that as being either a leg yield or a side pass, and then also being able to move the hindquarters. And when you can move every body part around, then you can really set them up for almost every other maneuver. Another thing I would consider very, very important is having a horse that's light off the bridle. So if you have to drag your horse around through a maneuver, that horse is never really going to get trained up to a very high level. That resistance needs to be worked out of there. And uh, they also have to accept training pretty well. So that part is maybe a little bit harder to explain, but you have to work on them until you feel a real willingness in the horse. If you just kind of go on and shove the maneuvers down their throat and they do it because they absolutely have to, they do them, but without that willingness, I don't really think the foundation is there because something's going to fall apart later on. Another part I think that is important is getting your horse quiet. Now, some horses are definitely hotter than others and more energetic than others, but your horse, I think, needs a little bit of desensitizing work done with them because if he's not relaxed and not quiet, if the whole time you're working with them, he's uptight and tense and fearing that something is going to go wrong, I don't think he's going to be very accepting and I don't think your foundation is going to be very strong either. Okay. So just considering all of that, you know, about the solid foundation, what do you think is the most common problem that people have with a young horse? Um, <laughs> I could probably rhyme off about 50 of them. I'm trying <laughs> to think which one's the... Well, go through, you know, because you do quite a lot of clinics and even though they're not all about young horses, I'm sure you've got a wealth of experience. And If I remember correctly, you started your first young horse at 13, 12, 13, something like that. Yep, yep. So you've no, been doing right. it quite a few times. So so just go through and give us a little bit of a rundown on the most common things you see go wrong with young horses at your clinics. Sure. Um, one of the ones that I think, I don't know if this falls under the heading of being one thing or not, but I think a lack of respect is one of the most common problems that I see because when you have a young horse, that has never had to mind its manners in its life, very often its response to everything you go to show it is no. And so what I mean by that is if a horse comes in and it's never had to be respectful of people, uh, when you're trying to do the groundwork with them, they'll just have kind of a bug off attitude. They don't really want to learn the groundwork. When you, that will transfer over to when you start trying to ride them. They just sort of have that orneriness and crankiness that kind of uh, sort of sneaks through everything, I guess you could say. So I think the most important thing that a person should do with their young horse is make sure that they're respectful and have good manners. If they have that, a lot of the other parts will happen a lot easier and a lot a lot uh, more willingly on the horse's part, I guess you could say. So I think that really sets your horse up to either succeed or fail. Now, not to get off on something else, but very often, we used to buy horses from the southern and the western USA, and we would bring them here and add some training to them and then sell them. And a lot of the times, we were getting horses from, I guess you could say, cowboys and ranchers and uh, folks along that line that were very much livestock people. And one thing I really noticed about that, those horses, were they were very, very respectful. They weren't necessarily 
um, your best friend right away because they were treated like a working animal. So very often with that type of horse, we would get it in and their attitude was, I'll do my job, you do your job. And at the end of the day, we part ways and that, but, uh, after a while they would get a little friendlier and then they would train so fast from there. But on the flip side of that coin, if you have one that comes in, that's really, really spoiled. Sometimes it's surprising how slow they train, but it's just, they have that respect level. And I think that's a big thing. As far as other problems that I would see, I see it quite often where somebody gets in over their head. And what I mean by that is they'll watch a a colt starting or a young horse starting uh, DVD or YouTube videos, or they'll see a clinic or a seminar or something along that line. And if you're watching somebody that's done it a lot, it sometimes looks almost a little bit too easy. So they'll think, oh, all the person did was put the saddle and the bridle on, move them around a little bit and get on and ride off into the sunset. And they're not seeing all the little things that the trainer did. And they're not definitely not seeing all the little things that the trainer didn't do because they know, knew those things would cause a problem. I think that leads me to my next question, Jason. But before I ask you the next question, and that's to do with people starting their own cults, I'd like to ask Bronwyn her perspective just to do with the solid foundation training and what she's looking for, because she's come from a slightly different background. I think she's done English and then done Western. Is that correct, Bronwyn? Yeah. Coming from the English background, I did a lot of hunter, jumper, dressage and pony club and all that. Um, I would say uh, throughout the clinics and stuff like that, the thing I would say is um, when it comes to the horses is that a lot of the horses, people try to advance them too quickly. So they don't put the solid foundation in place. And then they go and try to do a move that's maybe too far ahead of where their foundation is. So for instance, a flying lead change. We get asked about flying lead changes probably more often than any other move, but that horse there might not be able to side pass or move laterally at all or collect itself to be able to get up and into that flying lead change. So I would say that the thing I see the most often is when people try to advance too quick without the foundation in place. And it kind of leads to trouble because then the horse, the person can't control each part of the body in order to get the advanced moves done. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available. And the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Okay, okay, that makes sense because Jason very much talked about controlling the different parts of the body, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. Okay, now, Jason talked a lot about horses coming that were quite respectful who were basically, yeah, I'll do my job and then I'm gone. But then there were other horses that you, young horses that you get that are a bit spoiled. 
and they uh, take a bit longer. So just going back to that and the experience that you've had, what would you say about someone who's, you know, got a mare, bred a foal, they think, right, I'm going to just start my own horse, or even someone who's been watching the YouTube videos that think, yep, right, I'm going to start my own horse. What what would you say to them? Um, I would say go slow and steady in the beginning. Um, you're going to have that horse for the rest of your life. So whatever you want to make that horse into, kind of have it in the in the back of your mind when you have that foal. So for instance, when I bought my uh, foals and yearlings um, before Jason and I were living um, up here at North Star, um, I would go to the barn and when I would work with them, I'd work with them as if they were going to be finished rodeo horses in their future life. So I would load them on the trailer on Saturday mornings and kind of tie them up to the trailer and give them a good brush and make sure they were very desensitized to sounds and um, movement and everything like that. And then when I was starting them, I probably did a little bit, well, definitely did a little bit different than Jason because um, for one, I didn't have a time crunch. They were my own horses and nobody was paying me to work with them. So um, wherever I got, I, I could get and kind of be happy with it at my own pace. So I would uh, work quite a bit on the ground with them, do some ground driving and saddle them up and, you know, play with them under saddle first. And then I would start riding them. But again, I didn't have any, um, like any pressure from people expecting anything out of me. So I just took my time and kind of produced and developed the horses um, as uh, on my own schedule. Okay. Bronwyn, you've come in though with a fair bit of experience. How did you start? Did you start under the guidance of someone else? You know, I actually got a lot of lessons growing up and had a lot of really good coaches. So I would have to say (laughs) my experience with being coached was second to none. I just had so many good coaches. When it came to actually starting the horses, though, my friend who uh, I would spend all of my time with her uh, at her farm, she actually, her parents went out and bought her a bunch of young horses. And my parents didn't own a farm, so I was over there and I leased a horse and I was there a lot. And uh, to be honest, it was trial and error. We just, we played around with them. We uh, drove them in the cart and stuff like that. And then we would eventually start riding them. But one of us would hang on to the horse and the other would get on and kind of go for the first little ride. And these horses were so handled, though, by us that it was maybe a little easier than if someone didn't spend a ton of time like we did with them. Okay. Okay. Now, that's great. What about you, Jason? You know, just talking about people starting their own cults. So there's certain things they should do, certain things they should watch out for, you know, because... While it's ideal to have a mentor or an experienced person initially and get lots of lessons and have lots of ideas, you know and I know that that things can go wrong. But what sort of people should start their own horses and what sort of people possibly shouldn't? Well, I'd be the last person in the world to tell someone they shouldn't start their own horse because really I did. I learned a lot of it through trial and error. So I'm never really down on somebody for wanting to start their own. I just sort of caution them about what can happen if you mm. don't really. Uh... What, what can happen? Tell us a little bit about what can happen, because you've talked about spoiled horses and respectful horses, but, you know, there could be problems with both. Yes, for sure. Well, I've broken quite a few bones and stuff like that. So I guess I could say about that part. Uh, but I guess 
One of the things with the young horses that's so much different than the older horses is that with the younger horse, when it's the first time or two they're seeing or experiencing certain things, their responses are so much quicker and things can go from good to very bad very, very quickly. Usually with an older horse, if there's a little bit of a problem, it gradually gets worse. Or if you see a horse that's an older horse, a lot of times if they're a little bit upset about something, they'll get a little bit upset and you kind of have that warning time and you can make a change or do something else. With the colts, you can be going along and everything seems perfect. And two seconds later, everything is just terrible if you're not really on the ball. So I think that response time is a, a big thing to keep in mind. Like I know I've uh, definitely talked to and seen lots of people that they're going along and they'll say, oh, everything was going perfectly. And then wham, all of a sudden I was on the ground or all of a sudden something happened. And yeah, it's sort of true, but there probably was a little bit of a warning, but you probably didn't catch it. And that, so that's not to say I would catch every warning every time, but there's just not a lot of time for error there. When the Colts or the young horse suggests something, you better be paying attention because you have to address that quickly. Yeah, that's experience, isn't it, that catches that. People say a horse is going perfectly and then out of the blue they just exploded. As an experienced horse person, you can see the things that are happening. You know, the head's coming up a bit higher, maybe the ears are going back, the gait's changed, you know, lengthened or shortened. There's lots of things, lots of warnings that can go on before um, even just the, you know, you can see the pulse has just risen lots of things that happen before the horse explodes and I think um, an experienced horse person is going to know that yes for sure and I found too I guess maybe I'm picking on people with this one which is not really my intention but sometimes I'll be talking to someone and they'll say something to the effect of um, well if you do the groundwork right nothing will ever go wrong or if you do it properly there will never be a problem And I think that's sort of a naive thing to say, because at the end of the day, if you study horses a lot and horsemanship a lot, yes, you will take that horse through its training smoother and easier. But at the same time, that still is an animal that's 900 to maybe 1300 pounds that's been evolved over thousands of years or millions of years to be able to get out of dangerous situations. So to to think that you are so good at this that there can't be a problem. I think, yeah, if you're saying that, you either either haven't done it very much or you've gotten really, really lucky. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So say if someone says, well, I've got my horse to this stage, but I don't want to take him any further or they've got a bit of a problem or, you know, they'd send your horse for training, just say for a month or 30 days or something. With a young horse, say I've got a young horse and I choose not to, bring it on myself and I send it to you, what would I expect after you've had the horse for about a month? Is that a normal time? How long do you normally have them for? Uh, it's all over the map. Some people are here for, have horses here for a month, some two months, some three, you get some more than that. Um, but I would always sort of tell somebody, if you had a young horse that had rel- had either no bad habits or not very many, or if they were there, they weren't too bad. And the horses like obviously sound and healthy and everything's correct. At the end of 30 days, I would like that horse going walk, trot, canter. It should move off leg pretty willingly, so it should know how to side pass. 
It will have some concept of moving the front end around and the back end around. Although it probably isn't going to look fancy, they should be able to know how to do it. The horse should be quite soft laterally. It should give to the bridle easily both ways. When you pick up on the reins, I won't say it's going to collect necessarily, but it should at least drop off the bridle and round up a little bit. Now, some of that in the first 30 days is going to depend on the build of your horse. So if one naturally collects very easily, he actually might look pretty good at it at the end of 30 days. If you have a horse that's very, very uncoordinated, he will still round up a little bit, but it's maybe not going to look real spectacular yet. Okay, okay. Say the horse, you know, maybe you're interstate or something. Say you've gone out, yep, the horse is going well. Might have had a ride at the trainer's place. I'll take it home now. Tell us a little bit about what we should be looking for after you've had the horse for a month or however long the horse is needed. I've gone there. We seem to connect okay with the young horse. Then I bring it home. What can go wrong? What should we do with a young horse that's just come home from the trainer after being started? Well, there I always tell people, well, I shouldn't say always, 95% of the time, I tell people when you take the horse home, you need to keep going with this. Because 30 days, it's called starting for a reason. It's a good start. It's definitely not the finished product. So when a person goes home, keep going with it. That horse is already tuned up. He's in a working frame of mind. Things are going to be relatively easy, I believe, in most cases, as long as you just keep on going with them. Where people get into problems is they will go home after 30 days, turn the horse out in the backfield and forget they own him for four months. And then one Sunday they grab him and they want to go for a ride on him. Well, now you have a horse that hasn't been ridden in months and he's not tuned up. He's not been worked with. Also, another problem that crops up with that one is if a person takes the horse home and starts riding right away, mentally the person is in better shape. And what I mean by that is they've seen the horse road, they get on, the horse is probably going to do pretty well. They're going to get along and everything's going to be fine. If they don't ride him for several months and then they go out, a lot of times I find the person has sort of psyched themselves up. They've thought about all the things that might go wrong and all the problems that could come about. And they almost kind of go looking for their own problems that they're worried about. So I think just sticking with the horse is important. I also tell people, don't go home and try to play with all the buttons. And what I mean by that is, if you've seen the horse at the trainer doing particular things, and this doesn't matter whether it's a finished horse or a young horse or wherever, and that, but... If you see that horse operating at one level, don't think you're going to take the horse home and the next day pick up where the trainer left off. You should actually start back a few steps from where you saw that trainer with that horse because that horse and that trainer are now very in tune to each other. They're working together. They kind of know each other. And you're just not going to step in and pick up where they left off. You need to kind of go back a few steps and sort of then develop your relationship from there. Yeah. yeah look, I couldn't agree more. I've seen... Lots of problems where people have just thought, yep, and just taking a young horse and, oh, I'll go for a ride out with my friends now, you know, thinking that it's, and I like the way you said it's a good start, it's not the finished product. So taking a young horse that's been started, you need to continue. I think that's absolutely gold, that advice that you've just given. Just say I've got a young horse, I've started it, but it's just, you know, it's a bit narky, it's a bit spoiled. And I'd like to go, and I know there's a problem, right? And it's sort of like I've achieved the start, but I know there's an underlying problem there. And I'm thinking if I want to go to a clinic, right? 
So if I'm getting ready for a clinic, what should I do to get ready just so that I can get the most out of that clinic? What can we do there? Well, that one almost depends a little bit. If things are just going awful like and just nothing's working, a lot of times, now I should say, if you were sending that horse for training, if things were going really, really bad, I would very often tell the person, just stop, because whatever you two are doing together just isn't working. So practicing the wrong thing more isn't going to help anything. Now, if it was just things were off a little bit, you knew things weren't perfect, but they weren't terrible. What I would probably say there is continue to ride the horse maybe, but don't really work on new things and don't really work on the areas as much where there's a problem. Because if there's a particular area where there's a problem, practicing it and getting worse and worse and worse at it basically isn't going to help. Just keep riding your horse, maybe kind of stay away from that area and then right away bring it up to the clinician when you get to the clinic and kind of tell them what's happened, kind of tell them what you've been working on and how you got there. And usually the clinician can break that down pretty quick and easy and figure out where the problem is. So I think it depends. If things are really bad, you need to stop. But if things are just a little bit bad, carry on, but don't go maybe into that area where you know there's a bit of an issue. Okay. Okay. Now, say I've got the young horse that I've started that I know there's a problem and I see advertised there's a you know, problem-solving clinic, but I'm new to the area. I don't know anyone. I'm a bit nervous. I'm shy. I'm, I don't know you, but I've listened to your podcast. I know that you know what you're talking about. What would you say to someone who's just a bit nervous or shy about signing up for a clinic? Well, we always tell people just if you're thinking about doing it, sign up anyways. And uh, now, obviously, we're probably a little bit prejudiced because we teach clinics, so we want people signing up. Um, But I would really point out there, everybody at the clinic is looking for help. So I notice sometimes a person is thinking about it, but then won't sign up because they're thinking, oh, I'm going to maybe stand out a little bit in the crowd or my horse might act up and I'll be embarrassed or something to that effect. And Everybody else at the clinic is probably thinking the same thing, like they're all there for a reason. Also, you'll find that at most clinics, everybody there is going to be supportive because everybody knows what it feels like to have the horse that isn't the perfect horse, or everybody knows what it feels like to have a problem that they don't know how to solve. So one thing I've really noticed, a lot of people that have been to our clinics have met other people at the clinics that have the same issues and the same problems and all that. And now they're friends and have been friends for a lot of years. So I know of a lot of friendships that were made at our clinic and that, but I just, I guess I'm just trying to get at the point of sign up anyways, because the clinician is obviously there to support you and chances are, so is everybody else. And that, so I, I think you do have to sometimes jump into the deep end a little bit in that you have to get out of your comfort zone. So again, I've met people, they'll work with their horse and it's just not working and they just keep going and going and going and going down that dead end road. And if you do that for too long, sometimes you'll dig yourself into a ditch that then is pretty darn hard to come out of. But if you start to have a problem, recognize it right away and get help pretty quick, usually the trainer, the clinician can kind of put you on the right track before it gets any worse. Because most things are relatively easy to fix in the early stages. It's after that habit has been ingrained for several weeks or several months or even years. That's when it's pretty tricky to iron it out. Okay. Bronwyn, anything else that you can add to uh, Jason's advice about that? Yeah, you know, 
we've all been there. <laughs> Horses are very humbling and it doesn't matter which stage you are, you're at in your riding that you're always going to, you know, run into a day where it's just not your day and it's not your horse's day and everyone's been there. So, um, people like they, you might feel like you're being judged, but really you, you're not being judged because if any one of those people in the clinic thought that they've never been there, I would say that that's probably not true. So yeah, I think that if you're shy or nervous, it can be hard to break out of your comfort zone, but at the end of the day, it's for the best of you and your horse's relationship, and you have to kind of put your goals and what's important to you first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what do you think then that the people take away or they, that they're hoping to take away from the clinic? Uh, people go for various reasons, obviously, but a lot of the time, sometimes one little tip or hint or little training activity in the clinic can make a big uh, difference in someone's daily horsemanship life away from the clinic. So a lot of the time um, they may come and take in 16 hours of information, but it might be the 10 minute little part of the clinic that really changes things for them and their horse. Plus it never hurts to go to clinics to ride your horse for that amount of time once in a while because it really does help to kind of build your confidence up and uh, get your horse used to maybe a routine or uh, a little bit of a working lifestyle and kind of know what his normal is. And um, it just helps you build, build a better rapport with your horse when you spend that amount of time with them. And it also gives you a little bit of a feather in your hat. You kind of feel good after the weekend of working with your horse and, uh, you know, you've been away and kind of braved through all of it and it feels nice at the end of the weekend. Yeah, yeah. And and I think too, you know, especially for people who are a little bit worried about doing their first clinic, you know, or doing their first clinic with you and Jason, if they're a bit nervous and shy, they can get over that as well. They make a couple of friends and then they're ready, you know, in a group almost to say, hey, you're going to the next clinic. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to the next clinic and just boost themselves up and they can work on things a little bit in between if you're only going to that one area, you know, once a month, once every two months. Yeah, for sure. Some people have been to nine, ten of our clinics or more. And yeah, people get uh, kind of into a routine. And when we come to town, it seems to be that we'll help people out. They'll get on the right track and continue. And then we'll go back and we'll see where they're at after a little while. And with the friendship thing, at the end of the day, they're going to be our friends. So if they want to meet us and become friends with us too, they they can come. (laughs) And I think too, you know, it's good to know that you, you don't just learn to ride a horse and stop. You know, it's an ongoing learning, evolving. You're always learning. You're always learning more. So um, just keeping people in that mindset that you don't just ride a horse and stop. You learn to ride and continue to learn. Oh, yeah. I think that if horses spoke English, maybe we would learn all there was to learn. But because they don't, we're going to consist or constantly have to learn how to communicate with our horse because the language barrier can be kind of the the block there and we have to learn how to communicate in their language which a lot of it is body language and it takes a lot of time and experience to learn that kind of stuff yep yep now jason and bronwyn before we go what's the best way for people to contact you you know if they've got a young horse or if they've even looked at any of your other training and they know you're coming and they just maybe have got a couple of questions to ask you What's the best way to contact you? They can contact you through Horse Chats. So they'll just go to horsechats.com and search for Jason and Bronwyn Irwin. Or what's the best way for them to contact you direct? Uh, one of the best ways is through our website, www.thehorsetrainers.com. 
And uh, we also have a Facebook page. It's Jason and Bronwyn Irwin Horsemanship. And uh, both, uh, if they can find either one of those, they can find the other because there's links from each to the separate ones. And uh, also cell phones, 519-353-8885. Okay, and that's a Canadian number. So, um, yep, I think that's, that's wonderful. Jason and Bronwyn, it's been great talking to you today. I know that we're going to talk you know, talk again quite a few times. I'd love to talk about the Liberty Clinics and benefits of Liberty the next time you come on. But I think for now, I would like to say thank you very much. And um, I'm looking forward to chatting with you again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Great to talk to you. Always great to talk to you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 